Friends, our scripture passage this day comes to us from the book of Matthew, and it is a familiar reading to many of us, but it's a story, I believe, of discipleship. And this story has the power to reshape how we understand our very lives and how we live in the world. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, "Uh, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away, so that they may go into villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they replied, "Uh, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then Jesus ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. And he blessed them and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When Sarah and I first started dating, I learned some very valuable lessons. For instance, dinner conversation for a family of medical professionals like Sarah's can turn south quickly with one simple and seemingly benign question like, so how was your day? I learned that dinner conversation can quickly turn into chest tubes and clogged arteries and bleeding extremities or uh, just one word that would halt almost any appetite, fluids. I mean, you hear that word and you, you just don't know where you're going to go next. And let me just say, that word has led to some stories that should never be told over a meal, ever. It didn't take me long to learn that when that question was asked, so how was your day, to make a run for it and to take point on cleaning the kitchen. Let me just say this, I love my in-laws. I love Sarah's family, but their constitutions are a lot stronger than mine. Though there were other medical-related lessons that I found much more helpful. For instance, uh, the medical school approach to teaching. Sarah's dad, Marty, is a cardiologist, and Marty is the consummate physician, and one of the smartest people I've ever encountered. I mean, it would be near impossible to spend any amount of time with Sarah's dad and not learn something. I mean, Marty has read every National Geographic, every Sports Illustrated, and every Newsweek for the past 40 years, and I swear, Marty remembers everything that he's ever read. Anyway, one day, while working on a project together, Marty said, Matthew, I see how you did that. Let me give it a try. And I said, "Uh, sure thing, and I handed him the tool. And he said, just like the medical school model. You know that, don't you? And I looked at him a bit puzzled, and I held my breath, in case it contained the word fluid. And he said, you know, see one, do one, teach one. And I said, Marty, I've never heard of that before. He said, you know, you see someone do stitches, and then you do stitches yourselves. 
yourself. And then because you did one, you teach the next person how to do it. See one, do one, teach one. See one, do one, teach one. It seems like a good approach, not only for medical school, but for discipleship as well. When I read our passage today, I could clearly see and hear that this is the approach to discipleship that Jesus is trying to teach the disciples, though I'm not sure that Jesus would have called it that. And I'm not clear that the disciples even know that this is happening. But Jesus has been teaching and healing all day long. Uh, The crowd is enormous. The text says uh, more than 5,000 people, which, by the way, is more people than currently live in this region today. And this enormous crowd has surrounded Jesus. And the text intentionally puts Jesus right in the center of the passage and the ac- action. I mean, all day long, Jesus, been, Jesus has been teaching and healing people. Jesus alone at the center, the disciples watching from afar, and the sun is beginning to set. And the disciples, like the crowds, are tired and hungry and edging on becoming hangry. And so the disciples go to Jesus and they do what they have uh, seen all day. They ask Jesus to stay in the center of the story and to solve this problem. I mean, to send these people back so they can just get some food. And Jesus flips the script. Jesus moves himself from the center of the narrative and he says, see one, do one, teach one. Jesus says, "Uh, you give them something to eat. I mean, you've watched me feed them in words and in deed all day today. It's your turn to care for the crowds. It's your turn to care for the people you feed them. And the disciples who've been following Jesus, the disciples who've been listening to him teach and watching him heal all day long, the disciples who have been with him, not just that day, but day after day after day, they don't know how. I mean, can you imagine following Jesus your entire life? Studying the Bible, going to worship, being part of a prayer group or a small group, going on mission trips, and all of a sudden, you don't feel like you know how to teach a Bible study? Or you don't feel comfortable enough to actually lead a prayer yourself? It almost makes you uh, wonder, doesn't it, what you've been doing the whole time? That's where the disciples are. And Jesus says, uh, watch one more, and then you do one. And Jesus takes five loaves and two fish, and he uh, blesses them, and he breaks them. And Jesus uh, takes those blessed and broken pieces, and he gives them to the disciples. And the disciples, in turn, give them to the crowd. The disciples feed the people. And by doing so, the disciples are embodying what it means to follow Jesus and in turn, also teaching every person who experiences that act, whether 2,000 years ago or hears of this story today. See one. Do one. Teach one. Which then makes Uh, this story, a teaching, a lesson about how to be a disciple, which then begs the question, does it not? What if discipleship is not a spectator sport, but rather discipleship is about the holiness and the messiness of being blessed and broken and given? Oh, that 
would mean that your life is a Eucharist. You know, Eucharist uh, from the Greek, Eucharista. You meaning grace or good. And charis meaning gift. Your life being the good gift. In our Christian tradition, we understand that Jesus is God's good gift to the world. So then, what if the invitation invitation to discipleship then is to recognize the continual invitation to be Eucharist ourselves, to break ourselves open and to pour ourselves out for the healing and the repair and the restoration of the world, or as our Jewish brothers and sisters would say, tikkun olam. What if this is what Jesus was teaching the disciples that day? What if Jesus was teaching them that they were a living, breathing Eucharist to be blessed and broken and poured out and given for the healing, repair, and restoration of the whole world. And if that's true for the disciples, it would be true for us as a community of faith, which would then lead us to ask the questions that great mystics have always asked, like, what does it look like for us as a, a church to break ourselves open and pour ourselves out for the blessing of people who aren't members of this community? I mean, what if we understood that we are a Eucharist to this city and to our neighborhood and to the entire state? What would, what would it look like for us to break ourselves and open and pour ourselves out for people who aren't part of our friend circle. I mean, what does our neighborhood or our city really need? What do people who are most opposed to anything God or church or Bible-ish, what do they need? And how, we, how can we break ourselves open and pour ourselves out for their blessing? I know it can be tempting when we ask those uh, God-sized questions to think, I mean, who am I? I mean, what can I do with my simple life? But you're a Eucharist, whether you know it or not. I mean, I was speaking uh, with a woman this week, and she carries the unimagin unimaginable and unjust burden of having lost a son to suicide. And from that season of darkness and pain, she's committed her entire life to building a network of resources to destigmatize mental health in America. This year alone, she will reach through her foundation and her team 21,000 young people in Dallas, letting them know that there is another way, that there are folks who care her life, even in the midst of tragedy heartbreak and pain, blessed, broken, poured out and given to the world. Friends, even if we can see our lives as a living Eucharist, we may be tempted to think that we don't have the resources or the capacity to meet the needs of the world. But I want you to remember, after 5,000 people were fed by the disciples that day, they went, away, went around and they picked up 12 baskets full of leftovers. For the Eucharist is always far more abundant than we could ever imagine. And that's true for your life and my life and for this community. So my dear friends, 
You have seen one. So go do one. So you can teach the whole world what it means to be blessed and poured out. May it be so. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, take our lives. Remind us that we have been blessed so that we can be broken and poured out for the repair and restoration of your whole world. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.